Hi, and welcome to the Showcast Holiday Special. In this episode, we look back on the rollercoaster ride that's been 2020 and forward to what 2021 might have in store. Joining me for the festivities is founder of Notch, Matt Swoboda, and Notch's VP of Sales, Sarah Cox. This year saw our industries turned inside out and on their heads. However, our community of creators, producers, and technicians have not ceased to amaze us with their ingenuity throughout this strange and difficult time. We share some of our favorite productions of the year, our personal highlights, and what we've got coming up in 2021. Join us as we discuss the rapid acceleration of virtual production technology, what the world might look like post-COVID, and the dangers of online shopping during Zoom parties. I'm Kat Kemsley, and you're listening to The Notch Showcast. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Matt. Hi, Kat. Hello. How are you guys doing? It's funny to be, well, it's, it's kind of normal now not to be chatting to you guys in person. Bit of a change from our recording last year in the Notch offices. I was going to say, this time last year, we were all <laughs> physically together, if not massively hangover. Was that the yeah. day after our Christmas party? It was the day after our staff party wow. and then the day of our community party. So we decided to do a double whammy. <laughs> that was great. I'm so glad we did that. that was great such schedule. a great idea. <laughs> so yeah, feeling fresh today. It's, um, it's a Monday afternoon. So I'm recovered now. I'm not getting on planes. I don't have, um, I'm not full of plain food and dodgy red wine. We did start the year with a few of those. <laughs> Yeah, we did more in the first two months than we've done in the last eight. <laughs> we did, yeah. February is pretty pretty back-to-back. Mm. February was ISC, then Mexico, then TPI Awards. Yeah, you got your whole travelling in in a few, in a few <laughs> weeks. So I guess, yeah, first things first, looking back on this year, COVID-19 has been a pretty strong feature. And in lots of ways, no live shows, uh, no mass gatherings. And theatre and all the rest, everything. That sounds a bit doom and gloom. But I guess on the plus side, it's been quite an interesting catalyst in the way that it shaped product design for us this year. Yeah, it was it was a really it was started really strange. In March, the we just watched in a couple of weeks the entire industry evaporate before our eyes. It was so strange. Like everybody just saying yeah, they lost all of their work in a couple of days and all these things. It was really, um, it was really alarming, but I think it actually, a lot of it did find ways to recover more quickly than you might have feared. There was obviously a lot of virtual production. Virtual production is kind of a weird topic for us because we've been doing this for what, four years or more now? Until this year, no one really cared about it that much, except for some niche use cases, like apart from like studios and things, like sports studios. It was really hard to find applications and no one was really willing to commit to it. And suddenly, everyone's really, everyone jumped on the bandwagon really quickly. So suddenly it had, a, it had an application. It was kind of nice to see all that technology be put to use at last. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. If you think of how long people have been doing this, it's only really the last couple of years that some of some of the top of the pyramid have been trying to commercialise virtual production and certainly XR. Um, and then suddenly that development work for all those companies involved was accelerated massively to make it actually happen. And we, I think even we ourselves, having played for four years in the space, we didn't realise how much else needed to be in place to actually make this a viable 
um, fast workflow. I think, yeah, you can't underestimate how much development work we had to put in on our side. When you're accelerating the technology as fast as everybody was, they were finding out on the job the things that needed to be done and where time needed to be saved. Um, and I think because everyone was finding out at the same pace, a lot of that pressure came back to some of the software companies to ensure that the tools accelerated at the same speed. For a long time, it was like it was stuck. The virtual production was stuck in tech demo land for mm. several years. And until you start using it, until something gets used in real world environments, it doesn't get stress tested to the point where the workflow holes get uncovered. So it, normally a technology goes through a slow arc of, you know, it gets a few productions that are early leaders that um, are willing to sort of adopt it and you take the technology through those productions and that develops the work, the production ready workflows. But with virtual production, we had like, we were stuck in tech demos and then suddenly there's a huge spike of interest and suddenly you don't have time to go through that, that sort of rollout, slow rollout process. Suddenly it just has to work. Um, I think we were in a better place than many though, because as a, you know, we're, we're mainly, our main job is to be a rendering engine and a lot of the, it was all mainly use, utilizing capabilities we already had. It was just tweaking things and changing the way the software was used, but it wasn't like brand new for us by any means. A lot of it was just iteration, small iterations on things we'd already done. Yeah, it was interesting when I spoke to Brandon Epperson on the Inside the Boys production, he said that it, you know, you kind of forget or the industry forgets that virtual production existed before COVID, but it's just become so sought after that, you know, you kind of forget all the news broadcasts and that kind of thing that had existed before, like the little tastes of it that we've had. But now, yes, it's the differences that you're going full production rather than, you know, like an AR element. It's got to be everything because people just don't want as many crew on site. So... But we did some testing, didn't we? So, Sarah, you went down to CT? Yeah, we went to Creative Technology London um, to use their XR stage. They had both VYV Phyton and Disguise as GX2, um, two Cs. And so we use those hardware platforms to be able to run some of our um, special projects that we've created. So there's a whole bunch of virtual production projects that will be released. Um, actually, at the point of this, they will have been released for the community to get their hands on so we went down and tested those ourselves as if we were the production and the crew. And exactly what you just said, Kat, the first biggest stumbling block was that we couldn't have everyone there because of the, the COVID secure and there was other productions happening at the same time. So we had to select within our own team um, the right people to be there, which is awesome for us because we could open up over the internet access and a camera that we could broadcast back to the rest of the team. So they were able to, to live live hook into the server, test their content, see what it looked like. We were running around on site, myself and Harrison, playing with lights, which we have no business in doing. Um, but it was it was really good fun to actually road test some of our own stuff and give the guys that platform for the week. Yeah, and that's something that's actually been interesting as well this year is that apart from virtual production, we've seen quite a lot of um, productions done remotely where you've got half the crew in another country and everything's just been passed around by feeds. And that's kind of a nice, it's a nice way of working, actually, the idea that you don't have to have everybody on site in the room. It's going to make it a lot more viable for people who just can't travel at the drop of a hat or a fray around the world to sit in their studio for two months. They can... If they can work more remotely, it, um, even it opens things out to more people who, you know, it makes it um, more accessible and also changes the sort of cost and production model a bit. If people can work remotely, it 
changes the process in a good way, I think. Yeah, definitely. We'll see how much that survives. Interesting that it's had like the opposite effect of what you'd expect in terms of everyone's been isolated and having to work from home, but it's actually maybe made globalization reach further in that it's like, well, okay, yeah, sure, we'll just work remotely with someone in Mexico. And a few of our users have said how beneficial it's been actually to be working with other designers or producers or directors who are in different time zones, because it means like first thing in the morning, they'll wake up and part of that project is done for them to review or take on the next part. So it means that them working at stuff concurrently is actually twice as more effective, which is kind of crazy. Well, I think that we've seen that in our company as well. Like we, but everyone, yeah, you used to have half the company remote and half the people in the office. So you'd schedule meetings around people who are in the office and you base the you know, working day around the people in the office. But actually now, like everyone's working remote and all of a sudden, like everyone's on time for meetings now. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's easy to get a hold of everyone. People are more, I think actually it's positively improved some aspects of communication particularly the people who weren't in the office all the time it's evened it out so it definitely levels doesn't it it levels the playing field of everybody so we're all a little camera Mm -hmm. we're all a microphone so there's no little looks between people that you get in person everybody's on that same same playing field yeah I I think it's been really positive for sure. I did notice as well, as soon as like everything went remote and we started having our, our meetings with multiple camera feeds over Google Hangouts, like no one ever used to put the cameras on. But like as soon as COVID happened, it's like we all missed each other's faces <laughs> and like everyone decided, <laughs> apart from like Matt and Yanni. <laughs> it was still black squares. Like, still black squares, <laughs> but like forever elusive, forever like the Dark Lord. And, you know. Everyone's like, it's not um, actually on the call. It's just the black, <laughs> black screen. Yeah, you'll never know, will you? That's, that's <laughs> the beauty of it. Yeah, no, everyone just decided to, to start putting their camera feeds on. And then we've had a few like online drinks as well, which have been equally debaucherous. <laughs> the funniest thing that I heard this year was um, from one of our company drinks or earlier in the year. One of our younger team members, who is going to remain nameless... <laughs> because this is the danger of being at home and being on a computer. He was on his computer and he booked online a bouncy castle to come to his house the next day. And then they woke up and then this bouncy castle shows up at his house. Which is like... But did you buy a fez one night? (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, that was sad. That was a sad story. I tried to buy a fez and the eBay transaction did not go through. You are still fezless for the Christmas season. <laughs> I actually wanted that fez. So I tried to buy the fez the next day. They wouldn't give it to me. Another nice thing that we've been doing is Friday Challenge internally for our team. So every Friday we kind of got together and um, had to build something in Notch, which was to a theme that was suggested for the week. Diving into Notch every now and again, even if it was Friday for an hour, um, it was a really nice release, like a creative release, especially when you were flipped into this new world where you just sat in a room on a mic, trying to engage with people over a Zoom camera, that creative release, I think, was really good for, for everybody. Mm. Maybe not for Instagram, for everybody that received <laughs> my art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to prepare, good to do something. I think it was a good, one of those team building exercises. Like, it could have been anything. We could have all just drawn pictures for an hour. I think it was the fact that, obviously, being the, you know, the company making creative software meant that it made sense for us to do it in our software but for any any group of people like doing something just completely undirected and fun and 
creative for a couple of hours on a Friday. It was quite a nice thing. Yeah. And if you think about even at the beginning, when we all were forced into a quick lockdown, that there was quite a lot of emotion attached to it, like day to day, just talking to different people. Um, I certainly know talking to some of the AV industry, you were going bouncing from call to call, which were really quite stressful, where people were concerned what was going to happen for the future. So yeah, just that kind of being able to have that release where you could just do something that is completely not impacted by COVID-19. Yeah, it was a good fun thing to do. And how's it been working from home for you guys? I was talking to somebody from the industry about this and actually maintaining business you already have has been fine because you've got lots of emotional debt. So you've got this credit balance and in there are all mm. of the t- fun times you've had, all of the um, projects you've worked on together, and you've built up this this debt that you can pull on to continue doing business. New business development is so difficult and probably takes 200% more effort, more time. Yeah, just just you don't see everything happen at the speed you're used to when you have those contact points throughout the year at trade shows, at the pub, at events, without any of that stuff. That's what I felt anyway. I've had to sort of reshape how I do my job day to day. I think it's two, there's two sides of it for me. From a development point of view, it's actually, it's kind of ideal in many ways. From a, um, from like a general, like it's, it's really hard not seeing anybody in person. You don't get, uh, like there's no face to face. One of the things you get from all those in-person meetings and trade shows is like having an ear to the ground about what's going on. And it's a lot harder to, you actually have to work to keep that now. Yeah, you have to actively go and try and seek out the information, whereas before it was just kind of fed to you. One thing that we've done this year that's been a really big deal for us is moving all the training online. Beginning of this pandemic, we just back in March, all of our training was in person and there was uh, a limited amount that was available online. And now all of our courses are fully online. For us, it's completely revolutionized the way people learn how to use the product. I don't know how much, would you go back to doing live training for everything? I don't know if we would. I think that we'd have those, um, try and push everything online, which is your basic and intermediate skill set. But when you do organize get-togethers, then they're more around workshops and they're more useful because you can get hands-on with kit that you wouldn't otherwise get hands-on with. So things like interactivity, I know Notch will do a workshop-based approach to that. And we'll think about that as we work only for 2020, but we'll think about it for 2021 and 2022. And like I said, that will combine when we do other things in the region so that you can come and get hands-on experience with with hardware as well as the intermediate training you've done online. I think that will work. And then we leave all of, like I say, the foundation intermediate learning just keeps going online. Yeah, it's like now you get to decide whether it's the right thing to have it in person. It's not the default choice. You actually get to choose per case, which is ideal. Well, last year, Sarah, you're talking about all your open houses that you had planned and they were meant to kick off in like March, basically. So hopefully... The houses were closed, unfortunately. <sighs> I mean, if you saw the planning that went behind 2020's calendar, well, which you did, um, it was, you know, it was pretty to the, to the day where we were going, what we're going to do while we were doing it. And yeah, overnight, we spent more time cancelling things than we did scheduling them. And I think the, that will come back in some form, like I said, more kind of hands-on um, workshop, maybe development feedback, but they will be less frequent but more going on in those in those sessions. And we'll just have to see when we come out of this how much has gravitated online and how much we need to still do in person. But there's one thing that we are 100% sure of. We will carry on connecting with our community face-to-face. We are not going to disappear behind 
online uh, events and mm. e-learnings, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. There's no way we could keep you and Armin in. <laughs> it's hard enough to keep Armin in for 2020. <laughs> Surprised he hasn't created some kind of jetpack. <laughs> the time that you spent online scrolling through social feeds and news feeds, what productions have caught your attention this year? Yeah, I think the the Amazon um, project was really good. Inside the Boys. Yeah, the Inside the Boys. I thought that was a really good um, virtual production piece. The graphical quality of it was just really high. It was just really well made. They really knew what they were doing, particularly on the 3D side. And they just produced a really good looking piece of work. And that was Tigger Labs working in collaboration with Aggressive TV and Brandon Epperson, who produced That's that one. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and they were on our podcast a few episodes ago. So, Sarah, anything catch your eye? I've probably got to go. This is a bit of a personal favourite as well. <clears throat> By something less obvious, it wasn't one of the big XR productions, but it was a online light installation that was done by um, Andreas Schindler. Mm. I think it was called Light Parton. And it was on for about two weeks. Uh, they'd set up a physical, in a warehouse, a physical LED um, set up, lots of panels and a physical lighting rig. And then they broadcast live for a series of about two weeks where you could go in, add yourself to a list, and then you could take over the installation. The reason why that's one of my favourites is I think it came along at the right time when everyone had just gone into lockdown. We'd been in there for maybe a month we're getting a bit frustrated that events had gone and Paul Van Dyke did the Sunday night. But it was just, you know, it was good fun. And it was one of the only things I've seen over the pandemic that created a real meaningful interaction with someone at home, something you could actually partake in an online music experience. So that for me was not only special because of the timing, but I think they achieved exactly what they set out to do. Yeah, that was a really yeah, that was a really cool piece because I think the general problem with so much of the online stuff is that if it's not interact, it's not really interactive, and there's no crowd. You've always got this question of like, couldn't it just be uh, broadcast on YouTube, and then couldn't mm. you just be watching anything on YouTube? Like, what's the what's the reason? What's the point? And with this one, it had a really clear reason like you need someone was in control like you're watching someone do something live where you could be in control and then i also liked um who was on the podcast tanner thompson's video streams purely because he was like his whole tour got cancelled with nightmare and then he just took that as an opportunity to kind of go wild and try out a load of different things that he'd been wanting to try mm -hmm. and experiment with those with the online audience yeah, the live events industry is full of clever, talented, creative people. It's just uh, the main problem has just been finding ways for them to actually earn money. Like that's been the challenge with, with the online stuff. Even the same as XR, I think, to begin with, people are setting up these stages, doing things for free for marketing to enable them to prove that it can be done. Yeah, so commercializing the whole technology has been quite a journey, I think, this year. Definitely. And are there any users that have caught your eye this year for their contributions to the community or work that they've been doing that isn't necessarily commercial work? There's a guy in China called Mi. He's doing some really interesting XR work over in China, which I really like. Like, I'll give you my, my little my little rant about XR. You could, I can say this now so you can cut it out from the uh, podcast so you know where the time starts. <laughs> the problem with XR at the moment is like it feels like a medium that's really early on creatively. Initially, everyone in XR, what they, the first things they were doing, they were trying to make, they're basically trying to remake studios or sets that they've already have in the real world. It feels to me, do you remember like projection mapping when it first came out? Like projection mapping when it first came out, the gimmick was the fact that it was on a building and it was projection. 
So everyone did the same stuff. They did like the gag where you draw outlines around all the windows and the gag where you make the whole building turn out of blocks and make it collapse and go back up again. It took a while for people to get over the idea of, oh, cool, we're doing projection mapping and start to think, oh, actually, we now we have to actually make something creative with the medium. Where I think XR and uh, this kind of technologies is going through this right now. Like, we need to get past this. Start to think, you can do anything. You're in a virtual environment you could do anything you liked with that medium i think it takes people and particularly clients getting comfortable with the medium and then we can ditch all this kind of quasi-realistic stuff and start doing something really interesting and creative where let people go wild with the medium and when we get there then the medium starts to have a point that lives beyond the pandemic at the moment like the pandemic ends and everyone goes oh great now we can go back to using real studios and real stages and we can put people in real environments again. We don't have to bother rendering them anymore. If you use the medium for something interesting and creative that you can't just get in real life, then it's interesting and, you, and you will, it will keep living on. People will still want to do it. That guy, the Chinese guy I referenced, is um, one thing I really, really like about his, a lot of his work is going for much more kind of abstract stuff that looks kind of, it would only be a virtual environment. And I really like that. Full circle, actually, Matt. I completely forgot what the question was for that one. But see what I did there. <laughs> see, that's, that is pro level linking. That is that caught our eye. <laughs> From my side, there's quite a few users this year that I've um, I've made a list of, so I don't get anybody's name wrong. I would say Tiger Labs have had an exceptional year, especially for their work with Notch on the boys and Alicia Keys. So that's a de- an honourable mention to to the team at Tiger Labs. Um, Tiger Labs. Tiga Labs, Tiga. sorry, thank yeah. you. And then for Satori Studio, Alyssa Mello, um, who's joined them as a VFX artist. Um, she's doing some great work, only just coming into Notch. Ginger Lee, she's an interactive and audiovisual experience designer. She kind of concentrates on combining code, sensors, real-time data, science and music. She's recently come into the uh, Notch user community. And A, not only am I excited that we welcome another female into the community, <laughs> But um, more importantly, Ginger Lee's interactive style is something I'm a big fan of. So I'm looking forward to seeing how and what she produces with, with Notch in the coming years. And I have to say, again, I don't mean to name drop him twice in this podcast, but Andrea Schindler, his work this year in ArcViz around Notch, if you've seen it on Instagram, yeah. it's exceptional. I think he's really showing that photorealism in the hands of the right artist with the right skill set, um, he's proving that it's not only possible, but it is an exceptionally quicker, um, more agile workflow. So kudos to Andreas for uh, picking up the challenge on that one this year. Yeah, I think I think a couple of those you picked out were really good examples of like people or companies who had some really strong 3D schools already. So they adapted quite naturally to the um, challenges of the XR world. I think picking up on um, the interact thing you mentioned about interactivity and uh, Ginger Lee, I think it's like also been a really, we've seen like notch and touch collaborations all over the place this year, like people putting those two together. We've seen uh, the interactive immersive championship, Elbers and his, his company running that. And it's been really interesting to see a load of people come into Notch from the touch designer world and integrating the two. Because you've got a different, it brings in people with a different, slightly different perspective on the whole thing, I think. A very complementary community, isn't it, to, mm. to Notch? And either them 
picking up both tools or also watching some of the collaborative works that's happening between the Notch Artist community and the Touch Designer Coder community as well. It's, um, yeah, it's really exciting to watch, to see what those guys are doing. Yeah, Albers is definitely someone who stood out for me because he's just putting out so much information that brings those two worlds together um, for someone learning or who wants to get into Notch. I think it's great. Yeah, him and Armin did a great stream together. Gruesome twosome. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, proper like home shopping network level material all the way through. It's fantastic. I reckon they could have a 24 hour stream and not run out of things Mm. to say. Those two. (laughs) They could do like a -a Notchathon for. Yeah, just sponsored. And you have to call in and donate money for some sort of charitable cause and they have to keep working all 24 hours. I like this idea. (laughs) And then let's have a little chat about the features that we put out this year. So remind us of some of the features that went out in 09.023. It's weird. That is actually strange, right? Because like we're doing a full UI redesign, a lot of other changes under the hood. It was quite a major reworking year. So they weren't really intending to put out any major updates this year but then obviously the pandemic came along and there was kind of realized that we wanted to do some responses to covid uh, to the situation the sudden rise in virtual production work in particular so like we brought out a new green screen gear like a really high-end green screen gear just because suddenly there was a lot of people who needed to work in green screen wanted to help them out with that we improved our workflows for virtual production just because yeah, like we've talked about, suddenly there was loads of people wanting to do this. So we wanted to simplify it as best we could. And a load of interactivity features came out at the beginning of the year. That was more planned. But I mean, all the way along, like we've, we've did, so I think we did three major updates and a few other minor ones through the year. But all the way along, most of the work has been going on to the next version, which is going to land next year. Huge re- UI re- redesign and a lot of new engine features and changes to the engine. It's a really big change to the product pandemic changed the schedules a bit but the work's still been rolling and um, there's some other th- like some of the other things that came along as well like um we've collaborated with nvidia and used integrating their uh, some of their features particularly the their new ai face tracker which is a really nice addition and i think we're going to see some more things in that vein over the next couple of months like uh, integrating some of the research work they're doing yeah but keep an eye out for that it's quite promising. Cool. So you've kind of given us a taste of where we're heading and what we got to look forward to for 2021 and perhaps some delayed goals of 2020, which is the UI refresh, and that's still on its way. Let's have a little look forward, so into the future of 2021. And when live events do return, and in some countries it's good to note that they already have, what do we think the landscape's going to be like when we can go back to being in a crowd again and putting on events and that kind of thing. Everyone's going to be really busy. (laughs) All those tours that were waiting to go out are going to go out. Yeah, there's already even, if we just talk about venues, to backfill what didn't happen, they're already now booking up 2022 and 2023. And that's just people who had it in their schedule. So all the artists that want to go out touring, they want to launch a new album, there's going to be some very creative thinking which is why I think technologies like virtual production don't disappear because everybody's back. They're actually going to be needed to sustain the amount of, of work that will come back online. 
my prediction is that loads of tours will suddenly get requests for like uh, content pieces where the pop star stands in the middle of a grassy field or in a sort of sandy desert or in a studio that's made out of virtual production because they have lately all going to seen all the live events, uh, all the sort of virtual production pieces over the last year. I thought, hmm, can you integrate that into my tour visuals? <laughs> Can't you just dump that in the tour? And they're all going to be asking for it. So yeah, watch for that. But I think, I hope that we're right that it is just going to be an absolutely huge turn on again of of the in-person event world. And going back to what you said, Matt, about virtual productions being integrated into live shows, that's something that I spoke to Patrick Gosky and Claudine Boulanger from Silent Partners on. And yeah, they were saying it was an interesting, they were really excited and interested to see how those two worlds would combine and kind of find a new way to excite audiences and make it more accessible as well so that it was you know a bit more of a two-way conversation yeah because i think it's an interesting like we've got to remember that it's not just all of us working in live events who have been at home for a year it's like all of the clients have been at home for a year and all of the audience has been at home for a year and they've all been so Rather than seeing, rather than getting your inspiration from seeing other tours or from going to shows or whatever, everyone's getting it from other sources now. They've seen, you know, they're looking on the internet and seeing some live TV or some show that's been done. And they're going to, that, that is going to feed directly into the requests in the creative over the next year. You can just, you know, it's going to happen. So I think the audience, I don't know whether audience expectation levels will also jump. And, uh, yeah, it's hard to tell if the expectation is going to be to want more media around performances or whether people will want or want less mm. or want a detox from the screens they'll just be happy to go out they don't care what's on stage it's, it's budgets as well because yeah. you can't just go out these if you look at the av supply chain they can't just go out and invest in a whole bunch of new tech to pull off the latest and greatest trick so even as the pandemic was sort of in mid lockdown first time round people were specking tours to come back online with smaller res LED, less trucks, less economical footprint. There's all these sorts of things coming into, if we just look at the touring world. And I think that changes the landscape because you can't do beautiful, high quality environments on a 20 mil pixel pitch LED curtain. You know, theatre, touring, they're all dominated by lighting. And suddenly you've had a year where video has been the only show in town, right? It's all been video dominated. Now, does that change the picture of the the create like the makeup of the creative landscape but suddenly is the video director suddenly in charge now he or she has been the king for the last year like does that mean that that's, that suddenly shifts the balance in favor of video yeah i think we saw that trend starting to come in anyway didn't we with creative yeah. director show producer the the one person who has the overall responsibility for the look it's been happening for a while but it could have just been accelerated like mm. a few years you've just seen like five years of acceleration of that process it'd be interesting to see what how that rolls out it's been fun to watch conversations happening at real kind of crude level of how a team makeup now looks in a virtual production world because you've got roles that didn't exist before and, and there's merging of roles as well there's people doing multiple roles that would have been operated by three or four different people that's it yeah so we kind of spoken about what we got to look forward to now are there any other new features that are simmering away in your black cauldron that we can look forward to i think the next version is going to be a quite a big surprise to people that the amount that's changed this is a real like move for us of making not sh more usable accessible for 
like everybody making graphics. Live events is still important, but we're trying to make it usable across the whole wide spectrum. So it's going to be a bigger and more powerful piece of software at the end of it. That's also probably easier to use and more accessible. More accessible for like offline workflows as well. Totally. We've already seen the adoption of Notch heavily across like offline recently, and we want to make that more and more useful. It should be a tool in the um, that artists all over the world use, not a tool just in life. So you're seeing a lot of the features that, apart from the UI, a lot of the features are, that are going in. Are, there's a big jump in quality and like the power available, not just the UI. And do you have a New Year's resolution? I kind of do, but it's, I think after 2020, putting any resolution in is going to be difficult to stick to because I'm just going to do everything I shouldn't do next year, quite rightly too. Um, But I think one of my things next year is it's all about from now being thankful, you know, for everything that we have. Definitely things like getting my dog this year, being more present with the people I talk to, like, when you're at trade shows, you're inundated with people that want to spend five minutes having a chat. But this has really shown me that one-to-one interactions, the depth that you get from that, and it's more meaningful. So, I, yeah, I think that uh, for me, it's definitely about being more thankful for our family, our friends, and just our health, to be honest, and the dog. Um, I think one of my New Year's resolutions last year that I said on the podcast even was to post more on Instagram. And you know what? <laughs> I actually did all right. I actually managed to do... A, decent, a reasonable, I think I managed like one a month. That was a really good, that was also a really good thing for me, like doing something, it's like we say, the creative release of just doing something separate from work and just doing something for fun. That was really good. I think I definitely want to continue that and put a bit more effort into doing the sort of creative things. So same again for this year. Yeah. And you know what, this, <laughs> it was really good year. This was a really good year for like getting fit, being a bit more healthy. I definitely want to continue that even when we're allowed out, even when we're allowed to go back to our old ways <laughs> and going to the pub. I still want to try and find a way to continue. I'm going to remind you of that. <laughs> when we're in the right, pub. you got to run yeah. to the pub. <laughs> we're yeah. in a corner at four o'clock in the morning crying into our beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Last year, I decided I wanted to use some more interactive elements in production, which I tried out right at the start of the year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was fucking hard. So um, I'm quite looking forward to the new updates that are coming and probably give it another bash and try out some new things. What was the what um, was the hardest thing? Well, we were trying to do a tracked camera using a Vive and uh. we were trying to also do a, a composite using the Neuton motion capture suits and compositing mm. animation onto live action. And, you know... I interviewed Algorithm because they actually end up doing something kind of similar. And it was really interesting to find out about their workflow and where they struggled and kind of seeing what was difficult uh, to achieve there. And also realizing like one of the things I have learned from the people I've spoken to is like when it comes to having ideas and wanting to try out new things is that probably trying one new thing rather than a bunch (laughs) at the same time and trying to make it work just start smaller and build up rather than just going for it and having a real good um, handle on the technology is and what the limitations are of certain bits of kit yeah you accidentally uh, you accidentally tried to do a full xr production with no hardware and like a shoestring budget Yeah, I think our budget was 200 quid. So yeah, real shoestring. <laughs> if there's an award for the best XR on 200 quid, 
It's yours. <laughs> and this year, I'm kind of looking forward to my resolution. I want to try and learn a bit of Python and give wow. Touch a go. So look out, Elbers. <laughs> that's, the, that's a deep rabbit hole. That would be you disappearing for the whole year then. Season four is now 2022. So can yeah. you learn Python and Touch? <laughs> I'll yeah. be in the matrix. <laughs> and then thinking forward, what has been your highlight of the year? Our trip to Mexico City and watching drag Celine Dion with 20 <laughs> of our community members drinking mascal. That was peak of 2020 for me. Sarah, I'm shocked. I thought you were going to say the dog. <laughs> oh, no, hang on a minute. We're talking pure notch, right? <laughs> All right. Okay. Although he is an employee of notch, so yeah. I, I, do, I also have the interactive and immersive championships. That was... That's definitely a highlight, but Matt's already talked about that one. Um, Sorry. I, I, I nicked all the good lines. <laughs> and I think on a community side, with my live hat on, the We Make Events campaign, that's actually really pulled everybody together right the way across the AV industry. So my hat goes off to one of our hardware partners at Avalites, who has massively thrown themselves behind this task. And I think from Notch and the rest of our community, we definitely thank you for the energy they've put behind that campaign. I think that the best thing for me personally has been all the things you haven't seen yet, like all the development that's been able to happen. I think there's been a lot of R&D that's been able to happen that you'll get to see next year. The, getting all of that done in a, a really focused way amongst the, in our team has been really good. So that's probably been the best thing. Although uh, the, I thought the VP shoot was quite entertaining as well. I've really enjoyed this year being able to carry on with the podcast even though it has been at home and when it comes to recording sound I have to lock myself in my flatmates room um, <laughs> and insist on my very obliging flatmates and boyfriend to be quiet for the time which I'm recording so I'm very thankful for that and um, being able to speak to people remotely and record it and listen to what we've discussed has been a highlight because I just learned so much from everyone who's a guest on this show so it's really nice to still have that interaction. And with season three, it's been incredible. Like, there's been oh. such a lovely feedback right across the community. Yeah, I think it was really needed this year as well for people to, to connect, listen to techniques and tips, what others were doing out there. But yeah, congratulations to you on an epic season three of Showcast. Thank you. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, oh, cool. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me today. And... Have a great Christmas and a very happy new year. Thanks, Kat. Thank Merry you very Christmas. much. Merry Christmas. See you soon. Bye. Bye. I'd like to say a huge thank you to our community who inspires every day with the work that they share using the hashtag MadeWithNotch. It's been exciting to follow what you've created this year and I'm really looking forward to seeing what you come up with in 2021. Wishing you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from all of us at Notch. Thanks for listening and we'll be back in the new year. <laughs>